Hey, everybody, before we get into the podcast, I want to talk about a really exciting, awesome new sponsor of the show, my good friends Joe and Kyle over at Psychedelics Today, which is an amazing podcast providing uh, excellent information and education and uh, on harm reduction and psychedelic medicines. They have great guests on every week talking about these very, very important topics, so I highly recommend going to check that out. And uh, today we're going to talk with Kyle. He's joining me right now from Psychedelics Today about their new course, Navigating Psychedelics. And in my opinion, from what I've seen, it's, uh, it's really just a comprehensive uh, overview of getting started in psychedelics, what, you know, the kinds of questions that one might have, the kind of information. So it's a great resource, and I'm really, really super happy and excited to be promoting this. I think it's going to be really beneficial to a lot of people. So Kyle, thanks for joining me today to talk about uh, this amazing work that you and Joe have put together, uh, Psychedelics Today and Navigating Psychedelics. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me here. Yeah, so navigating psychedelics, uh, lessons on self care and integration. Uh, it's a pretty much a 101, 102 psychedelic course. Um, Joe and I put it together from like years of experience of working with these states and also really integrate a lot of our training in holotropic breathwork and our, our time studying that. So the course really just is a nice arc. Um, starts off with preparation, what are psychedelics, um, go over harm reduction techniques, testing, safety, um, and then we get into what is the psychedelic experience. Um, we kind of have this nice metaphor of you know, um, a space expedition, right? So what's the preparation like? Um, what is that experience when you kind of get out there in the psychedelic realm? So we go over um, our, a framework that, that we like to use for understanding these experiences um, comes from Stan Groff, who is a um, pioneer in LSD research um, and, uh, and transpersonal psychology. He's been studying this stuff for a long time. And then we on the descent back down, we talk about self-care. How do you, how do we take care of ourselves after an experience? And then the integration process, how are we moving our, these experiences or these insights forward into our daily lives so we can make some change? And so <clears throat> the course is jam-packed with material. We have 13 or 14 uh, master classes um, that include interviews with experts that have been providing integration in the field of psychedelics. Um, and it comes with a bunch of great resources. Uh, we have a trip journal, an integration workbook, um, which actually you can get a physical copy on Amazon, but um, the, we have PDF downloads in the course. Um, we have some music playlists, uh, a, a brief little breathwork introduction, and tons of tools and, and techniques and interviews. It's really a jam-packed course. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's it's just so great to see you guys putting this together. I know that it can benefit so many people, and through your experience, um, you know, this is you're a student of of these uh, transpersonal uh, psychology and you know the holotropic breathwork practices and learning from Stan Groff. You know, taking yours and Joe's experience as well as the the information and education that you've learned and and are now sharing from others. It's uh it's really awesome. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's so beneficial because there's so many questions out there and everybody's experiences are different and there's a lot of harms and there's a lot of dangers and there's a lot of what should we look for and what should we avoid. And in my opinion, it seems like you and Joe are right on the leading edge of providing the best updated, most well-vetted and um, 
educational resources out there. So yeah, I highly recommend people going to check this out. I'm going to have a link in the show notes that you can click on and it will take you directly there. Uh, If you want to go check out their website, it's Psychedelics Today. And like uh, Kyle was just saying, great introduction to what psychedelics are, to their background, um, to the preparation and safety uh, and reducing harm and having a nice, respectful journey in this process. Um, So Thank you, uh, for Kyle, for coming on and explaining that. Uh, any Anything else that people should know about the course or where to go or anything else that you want, would like to add? Yeah, Joe and I uh, like to say it's the course that we wish we had when we were younger, exploring um, non-ordinary states of consciousness. And so, um, yeah, it's just everything we've put together from our own personal experiences and also academic career. Um, you know, I did an undergrad in transpersonal psychology and really took a lot of time analyzing and studying these states of consciousness. Um, And also, yeah, I think, you know, one of the main goals that we like to emphasize about this course is to maximize the benefit and reduce the harm. So keeping people out of um, jail, out of hospitals, and hopefully really maximizing your potential if you are going to engage in this. So really taking a harm reduction approach here, and we really just want people to stay safe. Excellent. Yeah, this is an invaluable uh, resource, guys. And, you know, when working with these medicines or, you know, when just enjoying them recreationally, there's a lot of things that can come up. And um, and these guys, in my opinion, have put together something truly amazing here. And I'm happy to share that with the Mycadelic crowd. So please go check that out, Psychedelics Today. I'll put the link in the uh, show notes. And um, yeah, and, and, and check out their podcast. And also, uh, if there's extra support that's needed, I know that uh, you guys offer that as well. So uh, thanks. Thanks again, Kyle, for sharing that. And, um, and yeah, and uh, look forward to uh, continuing on this journey and, and hopefully giving people the best, uh, advantage that they can have when navigating this realm. So perfectly titled course, navigating psychedelics, uh, lessons in self-care. Go check that out, guys. Uh, thank you so much again, Kyle and, and Joe for putting this together. And thanks for coming on Kyle to, to talk about it. Thank you. Hey guys, welcome to part two of the 100th episode series spectacular event. This part of the podcast, we have a another kind of panel discussion, sort of. It's more of a roundtable discussion in front of a live audience, filmed at uh, or recorded rather at Barfly at the Alamo Draft House uh, in, here in Denver, and um, I, I wanted to kind of continue the the conversation that we had with the panel. Uh, after the Neurons to Nirvana event. I wanted people to get engaged and to hang out and be a part of uh, continuing to share and bring awareness and education to the topics that we're talking about. So we have on this panel, we have Bethany, who's the president of the National Psychedelic Club, setting up psychedelic clubs all over. Uh, and shout out to Psychedelic Club of Maine, Psychedelic Club of Pittsburgh. Uh, I recently uh, became aware of you on Instagram. So awesome. 
I hope those clubs are doing doing well and congratulations to you guys for putting those together and thanks to Bethany for heading up this project of creating all kinds of psychedelic clubs all over the place. And Joey from the Psychedelic Club of Denver uh, is on this panel as well. Joey puts on events every week for the Psychedelic Club and they always have amazing guests and people there and, and uh, movie nights and things like this. So it's really, really cool to get out and meet other people in the, in the psychedelic community. So if you don't have a psychedelic club, if you don't have an area where you can meet like-minded people, if you just listen to this show and you don't really have a space to talk about it with anybody else, contact Bethany and, and, and figure out a way that maybe you can form a psychedelic club in your town. Um, Cause it's really cool. These events are, are really nice. So we have them, we have Travis from decriminalize Denver, uh, who is just an amazing person. I've had some great conversations with and, um, would love to, to talk to him further on the show because, uh, every time I talk, he's one of these people where every time I talk to him, I learn something new or I think about something in a different way. So Travis is a really interesting person and he joined us for a part of the show. Uh, my beautiful girlfriend, my partner in crime, Jenna, uh, she joins us at the end of the show as well. She's doing some amazing things. I'm so proud of her. You're going to hear from her very shortly too in, in, in a podcast with her and I. She recently just started her uh, life coaching business. She's been a yoga teacher. Uh, you know, As I've talked about on the show, I think I've mentioned before, we met at the uh, Ayahuasca Center in Peru. I was working there at the time, and she was visiting as a guest, and afterwards, we wound up getting together. We wound up both going back there where the, she then taught yoga. She's since started a life coaching business and is taking on clients that are working in transitioning. So transitions in relationships, in careers, in just points in life where you feel like you need a change. Jenna is the full embodiment of that as she did it herself, quitting her corporate job of seven years, making good money to travel around the world, to go to all kinds of places like India and Nepal and Peru. And, um, she's really walking her path and it's a, it's an amazing thing to see. And now she's offering help to other people who feel maybe like they're stuck, they need a change and they want to take their life in a di in different direction. So she's amazing. She's, you know, I, I always say that like, I'm her first client really, you know, she's, she's improved my life dramatically. So, and if she can help me, then who there's no one out there that she can't help. So she's amazing, and she's uh, a part of this podcast. You'll hear more from her. Um, we also have Matt Kale. He joins us. Uh, you heard him on the panel, and Matt hangs out and uh, a part of the conversation too. Matt from Veterans for Natural Rights. And then Bill. Bill sits down, and Bill gets involved in the conversation as well. Uh, and so it's just a really, really great um podcast. I really liked it a lot. First ever live podcast. And once again, the audio recording is not what you're used to on this show. It's a little muffled. It's a little hot. Uh, I tried to fix it up in post a little bit, but failed to really get it perfect. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, we were using the venues mics and uh, right after the event and we had to set up in the other room. So lesson learned for the next uh, live podcast that I'll do. They will sound way better. I promise you. Um, but for this one, it's the audio is a little poor, not the quality that you're used to on this show. And so I apologize in advance for that. But the content is rich and deep and amazing. We have some serious knowledge drops and wisdom shares and just emotional 
uh, stories and exposing people really exposing their soul and, and laying it all out there. So really happy about this. So this is part two. Part three will be the solo cast. Uh, you're going to want to hear that. It's going to be where I'm talking about my experience of being the host of Mikeadelic for 100 episodes. What has my journey been? What have I learned? What are the things that I'm willing to share about you know my life and my experience? So I'm really uh, looking forward to to that as well. That'll be part three. All right. Well, uh, I don't really I don't have much uh, else to say other than I really enjoyed this conversation with this group of people. Once again, Bethany, Raphael, uh, Bethany from uh, Psychedelic Club, Raphael from Innate Path, Joey from Denver Psychedelic Club, Matt Kale from Veterans for Natural Rights, Bill Burns from Good Cinema, and Travis from Decriminalized Denver, and then Jenna, of course, um, and me. And so, yeah, here we go. First ever Mikeadelic live podcast recorded at the Good Cinema Nirvana, uh, the Good Cinema Nirvana event. After the event in the bar next door, and it was a really great time. It was so good to meet all of the people that came out for that, and to the audience who sat and listened and participated. So thank you to everybody, and I hope you guys enjoy this one. Psychedelics are illegal, not because. A loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Thanks for, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you, everyone, for, for hanging out and joining the podcast. So this is the first live podcast that I've ever done, and I'm coming up on my 100th episode, so I'm Congratulations. I wouldn't want to spend it any other way with you beautiful human beings here doing the amazing things that you're doing. So let's go around and, and uh, introduce ourselves. Matt, you were just on the panel. You said some awesome things tonight, and I was at that Veterans for Natural Rights meeting about a month ago, I think just blown away. I'm just continually blown away by uh, all the meetings that I attend and the people that I see and the stories that I hear. So share yours a little bit. Uh, thanks. My name is Matt Kale. Uh, I am executive director of Veterans for Natural Rights and also the founder. I started the organization in order to uh, teach veterans how to reintegrate into society again. My own personal way was through natural medicine and um, community. And, uh, and purpose, finding a purpose was, was huge. And um, I think that uh, it's, it's one of those things that we all search for, um, especially after leaving military service. Our, our mission has, has been given to us for so long that we don't really know how to find one on our own. And, um, and for that reason, many people struggle. So I 
try to create uh, a space where veterans can heal, find their voice, and then change the world. Awesome. Yeah, it's so important. So thanks for doing all that work that you're doing. And we have uh, Joey from Denver Psychedelic Club. Thank you for being here, Joey. Yeah, hey, uh, my name's Joey. I'm with the, uh, I've been the leader of the Psychedelic Club of Denver for almost the past two years now. I've recently stepped up on the national board. Uh, so, yeah, anyone listening to this, if you want to start a chapter, get at us on uh, Joey at Psychedelic Club or Bethany at Psychedelic Club. Look us up on social media. We're very active. What we're uh, really trying to do is you know, foster the grassroots community. Um, we try to make most of our friend events free, a very casual membership. Um, what we're just trying to do really is just create the community that the drug war has destroyed um, and just provide a lot of anecdotal, you know, as, as well as professional speakers, you know, speaking on uh, science and stuff, but really bring it back to the community um, as we believe, you know, psych the psychedelic uh, the healing is for the masses, not just for the, uh, for the ivory tower. So we're here, to, we're here to foster the community and help it thrive. All right, nice, yeah, that deserves an applause. Bill? Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I've been on the podcast before, but uh, never in this type of setting. This is really cool uh, being in front of uh, people recording with this amazing podcast. Uh, and I think Joey said it best. It's, it's all about community. And as someone that has been to uh, Psychedelic Club of Denver events, uh, they're amazing because it's, it's a community that uh, fosters inclusivity um, and connection around things that people have been, I think, afraid to talk about because of these societal boundaries that have been put in place. Uh, without our consent. So uh, yeah, let's take the power back. Hell yeah. Hi, my name is Travis. Uh, my official title is field organizer for Decriminalized Denver, but I wear uh, a million hats, as uh, anybody around me can tell you. But uh, I'm 39 now. Uh, when I was 21, I was convicted for attempting to grow mushrooms, which officially looks like uh, manufacture of a controlled substance. So I am uh, hitting the streets every day and changing the paradigm. I'm uh, trying to create a, uh, an environment where people can freely t talk about this stuff, uh, can heal themselves, um, figure, figure out how they can be catalysts for more action, and just uh, spreading compassion in general. Can I ask real quick how you were attempting to grow mushrooms but not growing them? Okay, so uh, the spores had already started Right, there was already something going, and the police served a warrant on my house while it was in process. They took it to a forensic chemist, and three weeks later, when they produced the mushrooms that I was trying to grow, they formally charged me. Hmm. I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the police. So, so, so <laughs> wait, wait, the police were actually growing the mushrooms themselves? Yes. Just for it was a hit song, song, so. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, police, they do that, right? Because they got to meet their quotas, you know? <laughs> they got to get people in cells and make so that money. So is that like taking a gun from you, then shooting someone and charging you with murder? <laughs> well, they would, the district <laughs> attorney was crack on them. directly <laughs> quoted as saying that uh, I was growing poison that could kill. So in the eyes of public perception, like, uh, that's pretty much what I was doing, you know? And to have to continue live in that environment and deal with that stigma is pretty intense. Uh, as a 21-year-old kid, you know, I had had a few positive experiences with mushrooms, and I just wanted to take it into my own hands for access reasons. And yeah, really, like it uh, exposed me to you know being part of the system and being caught up in it. And now, at least, I'm able to advocate for change and be a voice for change, and you know, start real conversations. 
But but to this the cold hard machine of the system, you're a criminal. Yeah, <laughs> but fortunately, I don't need them. Right, they need me. I think we all realized that in there when we were watching the the film around Servano with like the drug propaganda from the 50s and stuff, and just that kind of like they were smoking a marijuana cigarette. Can you believe it? And the, just the view of that of the us kind of people up here. Like, does this look like a dangerous crowd? Like, do we look like dangerous people? I I think not. Right. On I'm on scared. <laughs> <laughs> All the pins on everyone's shirts could probably poke a lot of people. That's right. We're going to poke you. Yeah. Old school yeah. Facebook style. Raphael, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Raphael. Uh, I'm involved in a few different organizations. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a therapist at Innate Path, a cannabis and ketamine assisted therapy clinic. Um, I'm also a founding board member of Source Research Foundation which is a grant foundation um, that's formed to give grant awards to graduate students who want to do psychedelic-related research. Um, and I'm also the founder of the uh, Five Hive, which is a 5-MeO-DMT forum. And it's mainly geared towards harm reduction and uh, information on you know, just safety and ways that people can be safe in their exploration of that molecule. Um, and yeah, just continuing to create community and support for people that, that are doing that. And teaching college kids sorcery, right? That's <laughs> yes, sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter-isms. Bethany. Hi. Hi. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, it has been a beautiful night to say the least. I'm very happy to see all of us together. Uh, my name is Bethany, and I'm the president of the Psychedelic Club, uh, the national board. What we really aim to do is normalize the usage of substances, um, especially psychedelics, but we do not stigmatize against any. Um, I really want the Psychedelic Club to be a place where people can feel safe to talk about their experiences. I know whenever I first got involved in psychedelics and I didn't really know what they were, I didn't really have anybody to turn to. The people that introduced me to it really couldn't um, relate to the experiences that I had. Um, so I want to create that space for people. I also want to empower our community again and empower individuals. I want people to know that just because they don't have um, a higher level of education that they can't be a part of this movement. So I want to really encouraged to see um, people shine and to see their creativity around what we're trying to do and to make sure that everybody feels heard because we can't do this without one another. Hell yeah, all right. Well, we, we heard from Sarah Gale inside about her experience when she was talking about like first getting introduced to psychedelics and how it was kind of like just taking psychedelics, doing coke, you know, drinking beer. It was just like a part of the thing that was in the mix. And I went through that experience, too, like, at a young age. Just, like, whatever I get my hands on, I'm just going to snort it, sniff it, you know, whatever. I, I mean, those are both two boof nasal it? ways. Yeah, boof <laughs> it. Yeah. I'll, I'll bufo, alvarius it up yeah. my bufo. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if anyone's attempted that. Please don't stick toads up your ass. <laughs> That's a message for the night. Squeeze uh, the venom first. Yeah, squeeze the venom into your rectum. Uh, <laughs> The Mitchell said that about the broom thing. Is that true? Uh, that was that was quite the yarn. You can't <laughs> prove it wrong. Yeah. 
that was right. fascinating. There is, there is uh, <laughs> enough. There is enough evidence to show that it's highly likely that the the ointment, the flying ointment, contained uh, the like the tropane alkaloids from Datura. You know, um, yeah. So and those those compounds are pretty powerful in terms of uh, creating a, an altered reality. Right. Yeah. So they were they were putting them on brooms and then they were placing them in there. You know. Yeah, you know, they, they traverse the mucal membranes. Mucal membranes, yeah. yeah. So is that's, that a, that's a scientific way of putting it. <laughs> is that like Jimson weed? Yeah. Like in that yeah. Yeah, yeah, same alkaloid. So yeah. uh, have you read the... Um, the Don Juan series. Yeah, he talks about it, but that's one of the that's one of the side effects. It's like uh, flight. Yep, exactly. W- one so of the really side effects is flight. Uh, Terra, yeah, is perceptual flight. Really? Yeah. If you go on Arrowhead, this is one of my yeah my uh, kind of secret pastimes. Uh, go on Arrowhead and just read Daytura reports. It's the worst stories. I mean, if you want to read horror stories, I mean, there's people that literally jumping off the second floor of their house because they really thought they could fly. And, I mean, that stuff, probably the most dangerous kind of uh, mind-altering experience you can <laughs> so I think that's where the, um, the stories of, of people early on in the, the psychedelic movement come from, like people jumping off of buildings and stuff. I, I, I think that's probably more likely that people were experimenting with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I think it's possible people on maybe at really high doses of LSD and you know, uns- unsafe environments or whatever. Um, there was that one person uh, in the CIA that was that was dosed unknowingly, oh yeah, and, Frankles, and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that documentary Wormwood. On yeah, Netflix is great. there you go. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I think that there may have been some cases, but I think uh, I think that's probably way more exaggerated than that was actually. Happened. I went to the University of Iowa. I saw a bunch of people jump off shit, but they were just drunk. So <laughs> yeah, alcohol. <laughs> yeah. What, what about how many people have jumped off of stuff when they're drunk? <laughs> can we start with that <laughs> statistic? Yeah, yeah, can we, we need to collect that yeah, data. Yeah, it's really important, John. Actually. <laughs> well, I, does anyone have any experience with Datora here? No, uh, it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> what, what what scares the sh- what's the one thing that you've done that still scares the shit out of you the most? Uh, what the one thing that I've actually done? Yeah, yeah. Oh shit. Um, I don't know. Um, jumping out of an airplane. There's a, a lot. With no shoes. Um, I, I would probably say MDPV. What, what was that like? Um, it, it's a it's a strong stimulant. Um, it's a research chemical, and um, it can uh, create some pretty bizarre delusions pretty quickly. Very fun. Ones. Very powerful. Cathinone no, no, uh-uh. stimulant. Yeah. What about you, Raphael? Anything? Um, like the scariest experience that I've ever yeah. had? Yeah. Um, hmm. Like a boga for me scares the shit out of me. Yeah, so a boga was yeah. pretty scary. Um, but I, I think probably the scariest experience out of all um, was when I was pretty young. I was a teenager and I overdosed on a research chemical. Uh, that was a benzodiazepine. Mm. And uh, I was blacking in and out for about five days. So it was, it was very scary because, you know, there would there'd be times where I'd say stuff that I had would not have any memory, and then I would kind of wake up, and people were reacting to the thing that I had said before. And so, um, yeah, I would say in terms of, like, the scariest kind of loss of control and uh, that kind of thing was probably would have been the scariest wouldn't want to repeat that. Wouldn't recommend it. 
Yeah, it's it seems to be, and maybe Travis, you want to say something, but it seems like it's these analogs or the research chemicals like that are people are putting together. I remember the days when you could go on, uh, um, you know, the dark web and get get some stuff on there, and like that was pretty cool because you could know where it's coming from, and hey, this is it's like Yelp for drugs. They have good ratings, good reviews. This is great, but there's a lot a lot of different kinds of things on there also being sold and. Uh, you got to be careful what you experiment with, right? Well, heck, prior to 2010, it wasn't even the dark web. I mean, you could just go on the internet and find a manufacturer and just get a couple kilos of whatever the hell you wanted to. And in fact, even uh, 5-MeO was, was legal. You could get that yeah. just by the, the package. I, um, wasn't, I wasn't turned on yet by 2010, so oh, okay. here. <laughs> the wise elder speaks, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Back the in the days the when good old days were everywhere. <laughs> as far as America, land paved with mushrooms. <laughs> uh, we wish. That would be great. I mean, it kind of technically is. You can go and find these mushrooms, folks. It definitely is. Yeah. You just need to make sure you're picking the right one. Yeah, yeah. Because the poisonous ones, that's like w w on the DEA site, that's one of the, the, the dangers of doing psychedelic mushrooms is picking the wrong ones. Yeah. Do you do you forage? Uh, I don't. Yeah. But not because I don't know how to. I just never have. Yeah. But you can forage. Oh, definitely. And they actually grow here in Colorado. Yeah. And like if you're really savvy, you can spread spores on grass. The cows will eat the spores, and eventually you will get psilocybin mushrooms. You gotta nice. be following around that cow for a while, though. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> we just become friends with the cow. I mean, we, you know. That's yeah, it's kind of style. <laughs> yeah. the, the fungus itself has a relationship in, inside the stomach of the cow that it breaks down the cellulose that the cow cannot. Oh, I didn't, wait, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like a symbi symbiotic okay. uh, relationship. Oh, wow. So maybe that's why the cow is so sacred in India. It could be. Is that right? I mean, so we, can't, stumble across we, can't something here? we can't disprove that. Terrence McKenna has talked about this theory, the, the sacred cow and the... Um, you know why? Why it's sacred? You know, people following these cows around and pick up these mushrooms and out of the the cow shit. Yeah. You find enlightenment. <laughs> Give right. her a okay. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like also symbolic of the what the experience could be like, having to go into shit to get something great out of it. You know, it's like right. I'm sure a lot of us have experienced things like that before, right? Extreme levels of shit, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, even extreme the, levels of shit. Even the shittiest situations can produce pretty, you know, something pretty awesome. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of metaphors in there. Yeah, and spread, too. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say that's kind of like the, the shit is kind of a metaphor anyway. Like we're working through the shit to get to a better place with psychedelics and psychedelics themselves work from shit to become a better thing. What's the Christian thing uh, from ashes to ashes? Or it's from shit to shit, maybe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a, in a, uh, I don't want to diverge on a tangent of shit right now, but <laughs> it's, uh, when we consume things, they don't just disappear and go somewhere. So it's all, it's all going back to the one. We're all the cow. We're all the shit. We're everything. Uh, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, why not, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that uh, a lot of people just think, okay, yeah, psychedelics, just another drug, like, just take it at a party, whatever. I mean, I think if you're doing it responsibly and you know what you're getting into, but I have so many people ask me all, like, oh, yeah, I took seven grams, like, at this party the other night, and, like, I didn't have a good time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> you know... That's a dumb idea. Yeah, where are you, what, do are, what are you thinking? So They probably weren't going to have a good time anyways. Mm. So they were like, I got to make sure I have yeah. a good time. 
I gotta eat seven grams. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like in terms of 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 that kind of stuff, like, do you get people asking you like questions about that? Yeah, I think uh, there's this notion in the psychedelic world in general that you need to uh, need to have like a you know heroic dose, and you really need to go through the trip the first time to really feel it. And I think you know that's totally not necessary. You can start off with a very mild dose. You know. Uh, there's nothing wrong with taking a quarter head of acid your first time. Don't listen to your friend that's trying to get you to take two heads. Start low, go slow. You know, there's nothing wrong. If you don't have the totally religious experience, it's okay. You know, I think it's much better to just get a taste, get a feel, you know, just so you know the next time you're probably going to need some awesome set and setting. So, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't be afraid to take a low dose your first time. Yeah. Yeah, I encourage the concept of sea legs. You know, so that people can kind of get a, a rough idea what they're in for before they really go deep, um, so that they're not too surprised by too many things that may take their experience in a very dark and negative direction just because of fear and anxiety. Yeah, and it's totally possible too, because I mean, if you're taking seven grams of mushrooms in Times Square, like it's you're pretty pretty much like asking for it, you know. I, I yeah, think that sounds overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, not like I've ever done that before, but I'm just saying that. that could happen. That's that's uh, how a lot of people end up becoming prejudiced against psychedelics. Is they take way too much the first time. They have a really bad experience, and then they're just like, "This is a complete no. I will never try this again. Um, it has no use." Um, so I, I think it's in general the approaches of of taking a lot a heroic dose at first is is really bad. Yeah. Well, I think we can learn a lot from cannabis. You know, when cannabis was first legalized, both medicinally and recreationally, we saw tons of um, stupid shit happening because people are eating edibles and not knowing how much or how much they should have. And, um, you know, even then when there was education starting to come out, we realized there needs to be a heck of a lot more. And it's so deep because one person can, you know, eat 20 milligrams of cannabis and someone else eats five, and the person that ate five is way more off their gourd than someone that ate 20. And... Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's the same with psychedelics. You know, we really need to just have a deeper understanding. And so um, I think the adage of you can always take more, but you can't take less is something we should always <laughs> uh, stick to. Yeah, true. very true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just like I feel like we're in a very special time right now where there's like the, there's a research, like all this research is happening and it's wonderful and it's terrific. And then uh, there's also just a lot more exploring psychedelics at music festivals, at parties, like this is, you know, I'm hearing, witnessing, being a part of this, and so it's it's really special to, to see that happening. But also, like what you said, you made a good point, Matt, about like how someone could take psychedelics and then they have a bad experience and then they become prejudiced and then they write it off. So it's like, what kind of ways, and I think we talked a little bit about it in the, in the room during Neurons to Nirvana, is like, what's a good way to kind of approach someone who's just like, gung-ho about taking psychedelics in an epic amount, you know, somewhere where you're like, maybe that's not such a good idea, maybe you want to tone it down, but also be respectful to, like, let's also have fun. Like, let's, let's enjoy this, too. Baby steps. Yeah, I was going to say, you can always recommend a booster, you know, like, it, usually when taking a psychedelic, especially if it's the, you know, First time I usually recommend someone take, say, if you want to take two, like, they really want to take two hits of acid. Okay, take the first hit of acid, Let's wait two hours and let's talk to you in two hours. And be like, you want to take that second hit? You know, so yeah. And so, you know, you can always take more drugs. You can't take less drugs. So I would right. recommend maybe if you split your dose, if you want really want that heroic dose, split it in half. Take it. Wait two hours. 
then talk to yourself. Yeah. I'll just say, simmer your fucking roll, hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Intention is really important. Teaching somebody that they can program their experience. You know, that's something as a teenager I didn't have. So I was at the mercy of whatever, wherever the wind was taking me. But then when I figured out that I could actually have a thought before I go into the experience and come out of the experience um, with a lot of uh, knowledge, you know, that just changed it. So the people that want to go deep, um, I would like to talk to them for a while just to see where their head's at, you know, because once you get psychedelic, then it's just like all bets are off. Uh, you know, if you know that what you're taking has no overdose level, like, that's pretty encouraging. You might think you're dying, but as long as you know that you cannot die, I think that's, that's like, good footing to have. So if someone came to me, I would offer to dialogue with them and then maybe even sit with them. Yeah, wait, talk a little bit more about programming your experience. That sounds really interesting. Okay, so the word psychedelic, uh, words are really interesting. They teach us a lot about, about like, like the etymology teaches us the history and how these things came to be, and they like give us a lot more insight into how we can use words better. So psychedelic is like mind revealing or mind manifesting. So if you go into an experience, you can get your your uh, your set. That's the that's the set part of set and setting um, dialed in, so that you are once your head is open, that you already have a natural compass bearing. You know, and it's not just like, just such an amorphous experience. So you already know why you were doing it, and you can kind of come back to that over and over again. Nice. I was going to say, you know, with that festival season coming up, a common problem that I've, you know, been around too is when you're taking the psychedelics in a group of people, uh, most of the people might be taking it for recreational reasons, and then another person might be think they're taking it for recreational reasons, but they really need it for therapeutical reasons, and then you're in the middle of your rave or whatever, and this person's trying to have a heart-to-heart -heart with you, and you're like, I'm trying to listen to music. So that's another way, you know, even if your intentions are to have fun, you might want to realize that I just went through heavy shit or something, that I this might come up, and, you know, you might want to discuss that with people who are going to be surrounded with you. So that way, you know, when you're listening to bass nectar and the bass is about to drop and you're trying to have a heart-to-heart, -heart, they understand. Instead of, like, why are you talking to me about this right now? I'm trying to listen trying to melt my face off, <laughs> you know, so that's why you know, so, you know, be clear about your intentions, even if you don't, even if that's not what you really intend to do, be aware of what might come up. If you just had something traumatic happen, it's probably going to come up, so. And I, I think that's so important, because I've been to, I mean, music is what got me into psychedelics, and I've been to so many shows that, um, unfortunately, I was a little tuned out to the music, but I was given a gift of being tuned in deeper to myself and kind of learned some pretty tough lessons. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's important to have that support and have people around you and and understand what the intention is before you're taking the substance. Um, you know, I got a lot of these lessons without having that intention, and um, you know, it led to maybe some not great experiences during the moment that led to growth beyond. But um, I think that support and understanding and uh, intention are extremely important. Yeah. I, I want to see that psychedelic therapy at Bass Nectar. Just everybody that's there. <laughs> just like, not only do I love you, but I finally love myself. <laughs> I think it's really important to, to uh, like you said, find where people are coming from, where they're at. Um, why, do, why do they want to undergo the psychedelic experience in the first place? Um, how much experience do they have with psychedelics? How much experience do they have with psychotropic drugs in general? Um, 
where are they trying to go to? Do they want a balls deep experience, or do they want um, just, just a shallow one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> half half ball in. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like <laughs> there are so many different factors that have to be evaluated before somebody really un undergoes a psychedelic experience. Unfortunately, early on in the movement, um, n nobody had those those evaluations, and and you see bad re experiences as a re result. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say for people that are that are gung ho about it, that are really interested in it, um, you know, I think in the in the panel at Neurons to Nirvana, um, you know, Mitchell Gomez talked about how you know growing up he read everything he could about it. He like really had gained as much knowledge as he could before he went and dove in. Um, and someone who is really excited about it, really interested, um, I would encourage them to to do a lot of reading. You know, read about like what are the what are the potential dangers of what you're doing, learning about having you know good having a good set and setting, um, understanding that um, difficult experiences can do happen, um, and and ultimately having a good understanding uh, of the intention, um, and having a good understanding of the history behind the use of these substances, um, and I think. You know that that can help guide someone in sh in terms of choosing what dose they're using, what substance they're using, what context they're using it in, um, and and having that kind of conscious awareness going into these things can prevent uh, a great deal of the problems that that I think we've seen in the past. Yeah, and I really like this analogy that Ralph Metzner, R.I.P., just passed away, um, but one of the pioneers of this. And thank you to him for all of his work in, in getting us here. Um, but what he was saying in Neuron Nirvana was that, you know, it's like traveling. Like, you're planning a trip, right? You, you're not going to just go s anywhere, and when you get there, maybe you have a bad experience, and then you're like, well, I'm never traveling again, or, you know, this was, this was stupid. So just the same way that you would plan for travel, packing your suitcase, making sure you have the appropriate swimwear or wherever, if you're going to be in the Caribbean or something. You have all the gear. You're ready to go. You're in the right mood. You get there, and it's just a great analogy to make with, with that. So uh, one of the things that our initiative provides is uh, individuals the right to grow their own. And one of the things I'm really excited about is teaching people to do it. And then you get 60 days, pretty much, to prepare. Uh, so by the, the growing itself is therapeutic. Mm. And then you have something to look forward to, to prepare for, to get your questions together. It is a substantial, it's a good amount of time. It's two moon cycles. Right. You know. Yeah, every day you come home, you look at those spores you growing. Talk to and you're them. like, hey, baby, yeah. what are you doing? I can't That's wait it. to eat you. You're going to be good. But it, it's, <laughs> it's huge. Uh, the, um, the amount of energy that you put into the um, medicine that you're growing is going to be reaped tenfold, you know? Like I you promise you. It's, it, it, yeah. The, once you take enough of them, they definitely make sure to tell you that. They make sure to tell you that? They make sure to tell like, you that. Like, good job growing us, yeah. man. We really appreciate yeah. all the love. Well, that there's truth to that. I mean, you're the energy that you're providing into the thing that you're cultivating. I mean, we're so, one of the other areas that this film explored was how disconnected we are with the natural environment and how that creates all of these problems. And, you know, one of that also is, like, just even growing our own food. I mean, food used to be abundant. You could go out and just pick a tomato right off the grass. Right? <laughs> Am I wrong about that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, don't, I don't know from experience, but I saw Raphael. Like we we forked. I said, okay, is that something you're doing, Bethany, picking tomatoes? 
I am not picking tomatoes. Okay, because I saw um, Raphael looking at you. <laughs> oh, he's looking at. Oh, okay, sorry. I know, I know Tim has grown lots of food. Awesome, <laughs> grow your own yeah, food. Yeah, uh, and uh, small animals too, and all kinds of stuff. But uh, yeah, it, we we are so disconnected. And one of the first things that I see, especially when introducing uh, veterans to to growing their own medicine cannabis, mainly it they they see so many more benefits from growing it and then uh, you know the, the whole preparation process all of your energy going into the plant all of your attention and love and you talk to them and and sing to them and uh, you try to make the, the environment so perfect and you're asking the plants what do you want you know and and um, all of this kind of adds up to uh, a much better experience at the end and people end up getting a whole lot of uh, therapy from from the growing of the medicine itself and then at the very end of the process they reap the reward it's it's sort of amazing that just simply taking care of another living thing is one of the most healing aspects of of all of this yeah so important so i was just going to touch on it's gratitude right and in my opinion one of the highest thought forms if not the highest and gratitude is actually the creation affirming itself so that's a pretty good, awesome feedback loop. Well, I'm grateful that you shared that. <laughs> and I just want to share a fun fact that uh, tomatoes are not, in fact, native to Italy at all. Uh, they just Why did you have to bring that up again? <laughs> they just became part of you shattered Italian my last night cuisine you told me as that. of, I don't know, <laughs> 400, 500 years ago um, when, uh, We're a nice when the explorers started going to the American? New World. They're Mexican, actually. Yeah. yeah, they're from Mexico. All the good stuff's invented in Mexico. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So foragers um, in Mexico would have gotten tomatoes. They would have been picking them, but um, otherwise, no, unless you're, we're stealing from gardens and whatnot. Well, I retounce, uh, renounce my Italian her heritage. Yeah. Are there psychedelic uh, tomatoes yet? <laughs> I actually saw one once. It had this Simpsons. really cool swirly thing in it. Dose tomatoes? Yeah. <laughs> and it was right before a Sound Tribe show, so we called it uh, Sound Tomato and brought it with us. And yeah, cool. That's my tomato story. Toma I, have a to I have a tomato story. Um, one, one of the things that, that I also was like observing through Neurons Nirvana was that this whole kind of, you know, we're talking about the disconnection from, from the natural world and all this stuff, but, but also just the the treatment that's being done right now for veterans with PTSD seems to be kind of like this is the thing to te to showcase to the outside world hey look like we're patriotic we care about our troops we're giving them these psychedelic medicines and it's healing them so what's what's your answer to that you know government and Really, what I think is, is like it's just so crazy that we had to go through all that terrible trauma, sending soldiers overseas, fighting these wars, to get to this point finally where we can say, oh, but you know, now, we, now, can we talk about psychedelics after fucking everybody up for this long? And so I'd like to see. I think you would agree with me, Matt. Like a world where we we don't have this issue anymore, where we don't need to treat veterans who have PTSD because we don't have veterans necessarily you know I, I think that's that's really what a, a lot of these substances help you come to is I mean th there's always going to be war uh, there are always going to be bad people who try to hurt other people self-defense is not the issue here what the issue is is the uh, propagation of unnecessary foreign wars and um, that's that's really what uh, 
I, ideally, we'd, we'd like to <laughs> scale back on that. Uh, if we return to a military that was primarily a defense force, I don't think we'd be seeing many of the issues that we're seeing in the world and in our own society either. We've fallen prey to a cycle of endless war. And it's not just a war on other countries. I mean, the war, war on terrorism, it, we declared war basically on the whole rest of the world. Anywhere terrorism comes up, yep, we're going to fight you there. And um, the war on drugs, we've been prosecuting since the 60s, uh, at least even before. And that's a war on our own people. So we, our government is literally at war with everyone, everyone. It within and outside of our, our nation. And Except the real terrorists, these white nationalists that keep killing people <laughs> left and right. Why, why are we not looking at those terrorists? Yeah, but uh, if we can simply get to a point, I mean, we've already been exposed to all of the da danger. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, I jump out of airplanes and, and uh, get shot at and, and blown up. Uh, psychedelics is, is not high on my list of dangers. It's not. Um, I, I wish we would just treat people like adult human beings and allow them to make the choices that they want to make, as long as they're not hurting other people. That's what I raised my hand for and swore to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And if you boil down the Constitution to its most basic level, it is simply stating that our government is instituted in order to protect the freedoms of its individual citizens, and that's it. Anything more is beyond its purview. And we have a government that has metastasized way past anything that the founders ever you know, vi visualized. I would quickly like to say that I think that what you're describing, right, the government is at war with not only other countries, but the, war, the government is at war with its own citizens, um, with its own ideologies. It's at war with, with all these things, right? And, and our, our government is acting in a trauma response, right? I mean, it, um, you, you experience people who have experienced trauma, and that's, that's basically the perspective that they have, is I'm at war with everything, because everything is a threat. Nothing is safe. Nothing is okay. And, um, and, and we've, you know, our government started out in a very, you know, just kind of free for all kind of thing. We all gonna take care of ourselves and like adults and make our own decisions and so on. And I think that in the, uh, in the desire for increased safety, we begin to sacrifice liberty. And I think that, that in, in some ways, um, you know, working with psychedelics can help bring some more balance in terms of trusting nature, trusting, um, trusting this, the limiting aspects of nature. Like nature is, creates limits on, on the human race. Um, as well as coexisting with other people creates limitations in terms of resources. And I think that if we can start to, to respect those, those limitations in terms of people have different ideologies from one another, we can respect those different ideologies. Um, we can protect ourselves as necessary, but, but we don't need to dominate. Um, we don't need to go to other countries and... Uh, kill all these people for their resources. So I think just building off of what, what Matt was saying, um, just the importance of, 
of recognizing that in some ways um, our superstructure is coming from a, a place of extreme fear. And if, if we can start to create more uh, environments of empathy and care and support for one another, um, and being able to have the difficult conversations, then we can start to move away from the militaristic approach to um, safety equals annihilation of the opposite. And we can actually start to come to a synthesis in our society. And I would say it's less safety yeah. and much more fear. It's, it's, per it's this perception of not being safe. You know, if, if all the cars that drove around were built without seat belts, were built without any type of crash resistance, you know, like old school cars used to be, they'd be a heck of a lot more unsafe. But as time goes, we start to do more research and we find ways to make it more safe. And psychedelics are the same thing in the right set and setting and with the right peer support. And by understanding more of what these substances can do and how much is the appropriate dose, that's how we create a safe environment for this. But we first need the ability to do so through research and through decriminalization and um, yeah, that. I was going to go back on to you know back to the military point. I think one of the great achievements right now of the psychedelic community is, um, well, personally, I would consider myself more of the anti-establishment person. Uh, in the '60s, it was known that you know like the hippies and stuff were putting the flowers in the guns, and now that um, both sides have come together, veterans are some of the obviously the biggest advocates for psychedelics. And uh, you know, and I consider myself like an anti-establishment person. I'd probably have been the one putting the guns, but you know, right now I'm sitting next to Matt, and I. I consider him a good friend. I don't know if he considers me a good friend. I'm pretty I weird, but <laughs> 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 so I think that's one of the great achievements is we're bringing so much people. You know, there's so many libertarians, there's so many progressives uh, coming together and uniting on this issue. And so I think that's one of the greatest achievements right now is we're actually, you know, we're ditching the tribalism that is so abundant right now in Trump America, and we're coming together on a common issue that we all agree upon. We might have different ways of achieving it, but we're kind of putting those other differences aside to at least the good knowledge of psychedelics. I, I'd actually like to believe that veterans can be a uniting force in our society. We come from every class, we come from every race, and uh, I mean, it, the, the Statue of Liter Liberty says, uh, bring me your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. That's, that's us. That's, that's the veterans uh, in America. And, um, we are the embodiment of what America is, and we don't come from any single political background. We don't come from any single ethnic background or cultural background. We are then broken by the machine of perpetual war, and in many ways we represent the cracks uh, of a society broken by this perpetual war machine. And um, if we can just manage to heal those cracks and fill them with gold, then uh, maybe the vessel will be even better for having been broken. Yeah, and uh, being a, uh, like, have you heard um, a lot of people say, with soldiers like overseas with the wars and stuff, like, all right, maybe I don't believe in the cause, but it's about just, right now, it's just about protecting the guys with me. You know, and that, that's a big part of it, right? It's like, aside from all this political shit and whatever, you're in a situation, maybe you don't want to be in it, but hey, it's about your community, it's about this connection, it's about this bond, and that's that really speaks to all parts of, of this, if we could just kind of learn more from that experience and put it to good uses rather than to ones that are wasteful and, and evil, in my opinion. That's the number one thing. No, no veteran goes over there to uh, prosecute the 
that the whims of our government. Um, most of us, when you, when it comes right down to it, you're fighting for the men and women on your right and on your left. Um, that it's that intense bond, the the brotherhood, the sisterhood, uh, the community, the unit. It's uh, being part of something that is larger than yourself. And I think that our society sort of encourages this isolation and disconnection. Um, and, and I mentioned it in the uh, question and answer. The G Dr. Gabor Mate says there's this intense alienation from self. And that in itself is traumatic. It's, uh, if, if you're alienated from yourself, how are you ever going to connect with another human being? It's y you have to learn to love yourself before you can lo love others. And that's one of the, the, the main reasons why people have this uh, very intense uh, loyalty to the military and the experiences there is because for many of them, it was the very first experience they've ever had which they were part of a community, that they felt that th they belonged. And um, that, that brotherhood, that unity, it's... Um, it, it can change your life. And I think that's, that's what we need to encourage in, in our whole society. We've been shattered into a million pieces and it's all about this group versus that group. And, and there's no sense of, of hey, we're, we're all human beings and we're all in this together. Why don't we just work together? And, and the military taught me that unity is the greatest force multiplier known to mankind. And uh, if everybody works together, nothing's impossible. Yeah, and everybody here is doing that with, through their organization. So it's it's awesome to see that like coming together. And I always say, and we're you know on the like to people out there listening, like that's what the best thing that you could do is just get involved, go out. If you don't have something to go to, start your own thing, and you'll find more and more people start, you know, as you mentioned before, Bill, like coming out of the psychedelic closet and talking about these things, and 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 just even getting together with people, bonding, sharing stories. That is the stuff that kind of moves things forward. Um, well, and I always say that <coughs> where we are right now as a society is we're more digitally connected than we've ever been in existence, yet we're becoming rapidly more disconnected by the minute. The more that we get sucked into the screens, the more that we get pushed away from other humans. And um, that perpetuates itself to turn into this isolation that's kind of eating at us and that manifests itself into depression and anxiety and other types of uh, mental disorders that, um, you know, are have their own trauma attached to them, that um, community... And, and, and stigmas, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And community and connection is, is what we so desperately need. And I think that comes not only in the forms of, you know, psychedelics if we look at chemicals, but, you know, if we look kind of deeper at what do they do, you know, they connect us deeper with ourselves and with others in the world, and, and that's what all of us and our organizations are aiming to do. And so, yeah, encourage everyone, you know, just get involved and get with other people. It might be scary, it might be vulnerable, but it will pay dividends and uh, encouraging it. Yeah, and we, we explored a lot of uh, psychedelics in that film, but some we, we didn't explore. I know, Raphael, you said you were working with ketamine. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, because I feel like that's something that doesn't really get talked about as often, but is also a very powerful, profound, and emotionally healing experience. Sure. Uh, so the way that we work with ketamine at Innate Path is a bit different from the way that ketamine is, is commonly used uh, right now. Um, we tend to use lower doses of ketamine, so um, more of like a 0.5 milligrams per kilogram, which is, is well below uh, like a K-hole threshold. And uh, our goal 
both with ketamine and with cannabis. I mean, it, it really translates pretty well, uh, both. Um, but our goal is not necessarily to induce what would people would typically consider a, a full-on psychedelic experience, but really what we're trying to do is allow for the rational mind to loosen itself and you know, to allow for people to be able to feel into their bodies, to feel their emotions, and to process them um, with less of a, a of a defended state, and um, and that lower dose also allows for the relationship and con connection with the therapist to also play a role. And you know, we've been talking about the importance of relationship and connection and all of these things. And so, for a lot of people who have PTSD or you know, uh, severe anxiety or depression, there's really not a model for safe relationship. So there's a, you know, the therapeutic context is really important to be able to create that safe therapeutic relationship and to be able to use that altered state as a way to help um, slightly mediate that and start to start to create that level of safety and uh, really facilitate that deeper relationship and the ability to process um, emotions without talk, th you know, without getting into the story of things. We don't need to know the entire trauma history. We don't need to know everything that's ever happened, but we can establish a, f a, a trust in the relationship, a trust that someone's going to be there. And ultimately, um, the biggest thing that, that really roots trauma is the feeling of being alone. And so if we can gradually work through that, um, not by blasting people out of their psyches, but really just allowing them to just loosen for a moment and just consider that this person that's sitting with you really cares about you, um, is there to support you unconditionally, um, and to provide a, a new model for relationship. And so ultimately, um, you know, ketamine is great because pharmacologically we know that it, it has some antidepressant effects. Um, it has some anxiolytic effects. So um, similar to, you know, in the, in the film they were talking about how MDMA has some of that anxiolytic uh, property without really being sedating. And so a lower dose of ketamine has the advantage of being anxiolytic without being too sedating. Um, and it really allows for us to explore nervous system states and, uh, and so work with them. There's like a Goldilocks zone in there, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that, that's so important because there's a, that component, th there's a difference between psychedelic medicine and you're kind of self-medicating versus psych, you know, assisted psychedelic psychotherapy, right? And mm -hmm. this is something that the shamans have known for years, being, uh, being there, holding the space, guiding people through the experience. They know the ins and outs. They know the right things to say, how, how to approach you, and these sorts of things. So this is a huge uh, improvement that we have this kind of stuff going on. It's really cool. Out of curiosity, what is the method of consumption? Uh, Rosage. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they, they call them trokies. Um, they're... So I've been to yeah, I, I've okay. actually been to it, and, and actually, Raphael's my therapist. So oh, awesome! Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> well, um, we're I gonna have a therapy session right now. So, I'm, Matt, I'm here to, to tell you, <coughs> the the approach works extremely well. Um, the the having the safe space and being able to um, go into your deepest, darkest uh, corners and let it out. 
Yeah, not being afraid to let go. Yeah, uh, knowing because that you could jump. Yeah, you you have a safe space, and nobody's going to judge you there. It, it doesn't matter what comes out. It doesn't matter the anger, the rage, the self hate, the disgust, the or or just the the sorrow and and fear and sadness. Um, it doesn't matter what comes out. Uh, that they're not going to judge you, and they everything is in a completely safe container. Um, but the the ketamine. Um, it's uh, sublingual. Um, you just put it underneath your tongue, and it dissolves in a matter of five minutes. So. Um, I was going to say too, for those who are not too familiar with ketamine, uh, the way I've described it, it's like the kind of like the adopted cousin of the psychedelic community. LSD and mushrooms are much more similar than ketamine is to the rest of them. Um, and I think that's the great thing about psychedelics is it's not just uh, you know mushrooms, acid, you're good to go. There's so many different substances out there. There's so many different substances we haven't even talked about tonight in general that I think there's you almost can be like a substance for someone and you know, it's not just you have this religious experiment and you know in the forest naked or something. There is so many different ways and ketamine is so different than MDMA and MDMA is so different than psilocybin. Psilocybin is kinda different than L S D. everything's different than Salvia. Yeah, everything <laughs> <laughs> Salvia, the yeah. you know, the weird kid in the corner. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we've got the Yeah, and then there's the the cousin that no one likes. It's not yeah. Yeah. And then there's Toe. Which is a very powerful flower in the Amazon. Well, they're, they're all different tools. And, um, you know, you don't use a hammer for um, uh, unscrewing a, a um, little screw. And you don't use a, uh, a hammer for um, uh, loosening a bolt. You have to use the right tool for the right job. And each of these substances is slightly different, and they each get at something else in a different way. So I think that having a very wide and broad um, toolkit to work from is, is going to be beneficial in the long run for, for everyone, the, the patients and the, the therapists too. Yeah. What, what's a common story that you hear from working with veterans, you know, at, at the Veterans for Natural Rights and the people that you're gathering with there? What, is there like a, a kind of a common occurrence that comes up with a lot of people that you would say is, is, uh, is something that they're concerned about or they talk about a lot, share with you? The number one thing I think would be complete over-medication with traditional um, uh, pharmacotherapy. It's uh, the, the level of, of drugs that we are exposed to after, sometimes when we're still in the service, but after we, we get out is, is obscene. It's, uh, I mean, I myself, I was on about 20 different medications every single day. Three different opiates, two benzos, um, uh, a handful of SSRIs and N SNRIs. Um, no medical doctor that I've talked to since then has ever said that that's a good approach. But somehow I got prescribed to all of it. And then there were the drugs that actually treated some of the side effects. Um, it, 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 it goes on and on. It's a vicious cycle and it just keeps building and building and building. And you may start with a couple drugs, but within a few years, you're going to be up to, you know, 12, 13, 14. It's, it's absolutely disgusting what, we've, what we're doing to these people who have offered up their lives for our society. They're not offering up their lives just to our government. They're offering up their lives for the idea of America, for the people that live on their street. That's yeah. really what they're volunteering for, and, and we're turning our backs on them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think like 
not only is it this, uh, you know, farm monster pharmaceutical industry, and the money behind that, and the 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 will to just prescribe, prescribe, prescribe. It, a lot of doctors I've talked to is just like that's this training that they went through, and they were just told just give these people just shopping bags of prescriptions. That's your job. Don't worry about nutrition. Don't worry about you know connection or any of this community or anything like that. Um, of course, don't look at psychedelics, right? Like that's there's a real uh, secret in um, well I in the world, not not just America, uh, and that's the practice of psychiatry is pretty much a crapshoot. There's not a whole lot of specificity or um, rhyme or reason to a lot of it. There's there's a few guidelines and stuff like that, but in general, what happened when I went in is I would complain about something, and then they would categorize whatever I'm complaining about into a, a syndrome or disorder and there would be a set number of drugs that are on this list and they would just go down the list and just okay we'll try this one first and oh oh I'm sorry uh, that one didn't work for you we'll try this next one oh wait uh, you were in a corner chewing on your tongue and rocking for 30 days okay we'll, we'll dial that back a little bit we'll reduce the dosage um, but it, it, it's it's a complete um, it's a farce, and yeah, I, I think we're like the guinea pigs. Yeah, and we're and the lab rats being tested. For we're all like uh, pushed into this. I, it's ridiculous. Do you think there's compassion in in those arenas? I think there there is, but it's uh, few and far between. Uh, I've I've met a few doctors who are really uh, compassionate and they really care about whether their patients are getting better, but they're the minority. Yeah, I I do want to play devil's advocate because. Big Pharma is, is the is great big target. Um, and I, I don't disagree with, with what's been said. I think that there are some really poor prescribing practices. And I also think that it's worth saying that the prescribing principles and a lot of the guiding principles of psychiatry are also what are guiding the whole uh, realm of psychedelic therapy and psychedelic research and and treatments and and I do believe that um, you know the psychedelic research that's happening now is guiding new guidelines it's creating new paradigms for understanding um, how psychiatry can be better um, you know there's there's several psychiatrists that are that are working within the field of, of psychedelic psychiatry and and are definitely shifting protocols and shifting things um, in a more positive direction, not not to take away from your experience, Matt, or the experience of, I mean, I can imagine many other vets also being overprescribed. I kind of uh, liken it to maybe uh, maybe a hundred years ago. Uh, we, we thought electroshock therapy was... was it's coming back. Uh, I know, and, and how crazy is that? I think we don't have it's coming really... It's making a comeback? Yeah. Well, again, so, so this is one of the therapy things... comeback tour. Well, so what's happening is that... that people are getting more and more desperate for a solution. Um, they need tools. We need tools. And, and not only that, but our, our society has sold us on this idea that, if, that there's a magic tool out there, that if we use the magic tool, it'll all be better. That's the Prozac. With everything, right? So though, that right? I mean, not just the drugs, because what you were saying before, it's like I'm not just harping on this as like this one single industry is the bad cause, right. but this is the mentality across society. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and so, but what all these different things are doing is they are bypassing relationship. So if I buy a fast car, 
it's going to make me happy. If I get the cheeseburger, it's going to make me happy. If I take the Prozac, it's going to make me happy. If I eat a bunch of psychedelics, it's going to make me happy, right? But what's missing in all of those areas, and, and you know, one of the things that we keep coming back to is community uh, and connection. And one of the things that's missing in all of those scenarios, and welcome Western society, um, is there's there's not there's not relationship, right? So so all of these tools are really useful. I think a lot of you know psychiatric medications can be great, um, and they do. There are many people that they have helped, um, but typically when you hear success stories, there's a good relationship in there, right? Like a wife. Uh, a, a church community, um, whatever, you know, like sewing club or pottery, whatever. But there's people that are getting involved in their communities. They're connecting with other people. They're talking about their issues. That takes work. It takes work. And healing takes work. Healing is hard. It, it's sometimes painful, uh, often painful. And, um, and so if we can stop bypassing relationship. A quick anecdote. So when meditator, when meditators from the East started coming to the United States to teach meditation to Westerners, they were baffled because they said that when they came here, they said, I have never met a group of people that hated themselves so much. <laughs> and, and that doesn't exist in in eastern cultures like there's just this natural self-love and self-positive regard we have built our culture around this self-hatred so i think that i think that if we can connect to each other and, and love each other then we can reconnect to that well I so I think sign off travis before yeah, you yeah. thanks Raphael. no that was great fantastic point uh travis decriminalized uh the the uh, psilocybin initiative i'm messing up the name here what's the new n name you can say it decriminalized denver it but the psilocybin we have a lot of names initiative uh, we like decriminalized denver because there's at literation all right that's great, fun. great yeah um, and by virtue of... I heard of Kevin say something else before, okay. By virtue of decriminalized psilocybin, we are technically decriminalizing an aspect of Denver. Awesome. So okay. On that well, thank you so much. I'm going to get to work. Yes. Have a great night. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for the buttons <laughs> and for doing all your work. I, I wanted to respond Thanks, to what Raphael was saying uh, about relationship. And um, we have a lot of relationship in this country, but it's with things, and it's with material objects, and it's with comparing ourselves to others and competing instead of cooperating. And I think that's a very important distinction because when we attach ourselves to things instead of people, that's where unhappiness is. And when we feel unhappy, what do we do? We go and buy more things, and that makes us feel happy for a split second. And if we look at substances, the same thing. Hey, taking more of this will make me happy. It's always like more, more, more will make me happy instead of the right thing or the right people. And you know, you could even surround yourself with a lot of people and think that might make you happy. But if you're not focusing on that relationship and that intention, um, then it's, it's hollow. And I, I think there's a lot of hollowness in our society uh, because we have this materialist culture and consumerist culture. Uh, and uh, psychedelics challenge that. So. Yeah, this is really interesting because we're yeah. I mean, the topic is we're revolving around psychedelics, but we are talking more about compassion, connection, community, empathy, using these things as tools to get there. Uh, a lot of times, like, and you know, sometimes on the podcast I'll talk about this stuff, or other other people talking about wild psychedelic experiences and crazy trips. And this was brought up, and I thought you had a great thing to say 
in there. Maybe you can say it again about the ego death and that res- that response because it was so great. It's it, it's you hear this out there in you know people chasing these experiences and chasing that mystical. Exp- I want to have the transcend. I want to have the big one. You know, like when am I going to know all the things? Uh, <laughs> you know. It's the, uh, it, that, that's like the pinnacle that people like idealize the psychedelic experience to be a, an ego death. And, and that's not really what it's all about. If you're going to these places, um, whether they're deep inside yourself or far outside yourself um, in the universe somewhere, it doesn't really matter. If you're not bringing something back to apply in your everyday life, what's the point? What's the point of going there? There is no point. Um, you have to actually come back to reality and you have to apply these things and you have to do the work. It's work, it's hard work to actually improve your life. It requires a lot of boots on the ground, uh, so to speak, you know, and we have to, to overcome our aversion to this. Ego death is not the goal. The goal is to renegotiate your relationship with your ego so that it doesn't run your life in a way that hurts you. No, man, I just want ego death and I want to binge watch Netflix. Like, I just want to watch sex, death, and robots every episode <laughs> and like that that seems to be i mean like the oh, for a lot of people like yeah like let me just like do this thing and then oh wait i don't want to do this work after like i always explain it like you know some some people will tell me i had a very profound psychedelic experience it was like really heavy it was pretty challenging it was really scary you know i'm like i don't know i think i might be done right now for a while or whatever and it's like okay well you live in a house where you just took a bunch of shit and put it in your closet, and you're just like, I'll deal with that later, I'll deal with it later. You took a psychedelic key, and you opened this door, and it just started tumbling on top of you. So now you gotta pick that shit up. And you gotta, like, put it back. It, maybe some stuff you don't need anymore, you wanna Marie get rid of Kondo it. Marie Kondo that shit. Right, you gotta tidy up, tidy up. Psychedelic tidy Does up. Does it bring you joy? No. <laughs> get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. That's for the soul. That's that's what it's all about, yeah. But it's like, who would have thought like some hippie at a Grateful Dead show is gonna be like, you know, like, oh man, I can't wait to like integrate this experience after, you know? Because it's like, it's we're talking about responsibility, discipline, like focus and attention, which see almost seems sort of antithetical to the psychedelic experience for a lot of people. Well, like these big experiences, right? That people often talk about. They're really good opportunities to bypass what's actually going on, right? So, so if I have this, this spiritual huge bypassing, right? It, it, sure, spiritual bypassing, but also psychological bypassing, yeah. right? Like if if something really bad happened to me, and I take seven grams of mushrooms, and that's uh, the theme of the night, by the way. Right. Seven I mean, grams of mushrooms. I just I think that's a great precedent. Like that's yeah. a good that's a good marker to to say heroic <laughs> dose, right? Yeah. Big, you know, I ate a ten strip of acid and. So, so this, you know, uh, n- then suddenly um, they, this person has this huge experience, the, you know, reality implodes and they've talked to the aliens and, right, like the whole universe has opened up, so on. Um, when they come back from that experience, there's not, l- you know, like Matt was saying, there's not much to bring back other than this very complicated story. Right, and then I was beamed into the spaceship, and <laughs> then there, then this happened, and then yeah, and you'll never believe what happened next. And you're like, I I, I bet I can't believe any of it, right? So so that that oftentimes I think uh, takes us further away from being able to actually be present with 
you know, what's happening in this world, right? Like, what, what's happening in the drama of this what incarnation yeah, the, the, iterate, the, the you know, what are, how are, yeah. great game yeah right? yeah I, I, lo I love what and you said that Matt you said so many awesome things in there I keep going <laughs> back to it but it's like with talking about that singular entity right like we're we're here because this is interesting to be separate and have a subjective experience and to interact it's fun diversity and novelty is very interesting and fun it can be right so to be this one thing like uh, Alan Watts says right like if you were God you would just get bored being God. You're just like, you're this omnipresent, omnipotent, pa like, where do you go from there? Well, let's split, let's make some division, let's make it interesting, right? So we do have to kind of like navigate this world and why not do it and bring it back to what Raphael said before with like respect too for other people's different ways of like bringing things back and different experiences, you know? If you're everything, what is there to love? Yeah. You know, there's, you have to be separate. You have to have this separate human experience in order to experience the, the, uh, the, the state of being in love, being in love with yourself, being in love with other people, being in love with, with the world, being in love with life itself. It's, um, that is what this experience is all about. That's what the human experience is all about. But yeah. if everything is love, then to be separate from love is to realize that the point of separation is to learn how to not be separate. I think that, that there is, I think, to connect. Know, huh? To connect. To connect, right? And so... That's what we're all looking for. Right. And, p and part of the experience of being separate, there's a lot of pain and suffering, right? And, and so for us to feel our pain, feel our suffering, and to acknowledge that all of us feel a degree of that, right? I mean, I mean, there are some really beautiful and exciting and just wondrous and magical things about being in this experience, but then to, to be able to, to dig deep down and, and, and also acknowledge like, wow, you know, it is difficult to be separate. It is difficult to have to navigate all, all these things. Um, and yeah, that, that gives us a really good opportunity. And if you get to the root of it, I mean, uh, that, that's what connects us all. It, we all have this suffering as a result of being separate, and that's part of what makes us all the same. Longing. Well, and there's this separation within ourselves, too. You know, the society that we're in trains us to be a part of a machine, cogs in a machine, and part of a system, and to follow... Um, you know, what the powers that be want us to follow, and that separates us from who we really are and our true souls. And that's where connection with other humans, connection with psychedelics, um, you know, enables connection with meditation and yoga, enables us to get deeper within ourselves, find out who we are, and live our true lives as our true selves. Yeah, but that's not good, though, for the establishment. No, no. So, yeah, <laughs> so don't do that, y'all. Right. Stay cog in the machine. No, I uh, excellent. Jenna, hey. Hey. Whoa, this is the Welcome. first time Jenna is on the Mycadelic Podcast. Well, yes. I think she deserves a proper introduction. I well, think so, we'll too. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that right now. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> 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 My lovely partner right here, Jenna, JSB. Hello. Welcome to the podcast officially. Thank you. You get to experience me in my professional format, not just ranting at you over breakfast. So <laughs> thank you for being here. And uh, you're going to Peru soon to teach yoga at Ayahuasca Center, set up by our lovely friends, Scott and Caro. Exactly. Uh, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. So thanks for, for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I was um, 
thank you so much. I've really been enjoying the, the conversation here and um, really pulled in. And I just wanted to jump in because we were talking about, about separateness, you know, and I, I think that being separate, you know, it really, we, we become distracted and we start to look externally. And it's this whole journey that the human experience, it's our way back to love, it's our way back to our hearts, it's our way back home. Um, and Ramdas says it really well, you know, we're all just walking each other home and, and reminding each other. Um, and it's amazing the feeling of remembering, you know, and we can only remember when we forget. So it's, it's this epic journey back, back home. Yeah. You just reminded me of something, actually. So that was good. That was that was the best voicemail that you ever left me. Was the <laughs> when you were in she was in Peru at the ayahuasca center that we were working at, and we were back home, like leaving voicemails. We're doing the Alan Watts, like, how could you remember where you were if you never <laughs> left? You forget. <laughs> you can only journey yes, as far as you forget, <laughs> but you have to remember when you get back. <laughs> and I'll just give some some context. I. I was working down at, at the Temple of the Way of Light teaching yoga for, f for four months down here. I was down in Peru for five months last year, and um, Mike cam came back to the States, and we would just leave each other these voicemails, and doing Alan Watts impressions is one of our favorite <laughs> things to do. <laughs> and I had this epic ceremony, and I was walking home in the jungle alone in the dark, and I'm just laughing to myself, just... I don't even, I don't, e I was in the How do you know which way home? How, where is home anyway? Where is home anyway? I don't know. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, it was great. But it's, it's key. You, know, you bring up a good point. And because I also had uh, a ceremony with a Colombian shaman who, uh, it was a mumbe ceremony and, and Rape was involved as well. And he had this great message of like, we have to remind each other because we always forget. We ha if we, we're going to try and remind ourselves, but we also have to be there to remind each other as well. Like, hey, come back, this is, the, this is the thing that we're engaged in here, and it's cool, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's just been a big big theme of the night. I mean, maybe we could just go around, you know, starting to kind of wrap up right now. Maybe we could even take some questions if anybody wants to ask anyone any questions. But maybe we could go around and just talk about some of, uh, some of your recent experiences or most memorable experiences in, in terms of like this sort of opening up uh, to, to love and to empathy and to connection, the, the things that these beautiful tools that the psychedelic experience can provide us with and, and what that's done for you. And I, I know personally, you know, for Bill, it helped create good cinema. So uh, maybe, Matt, if you want to start to, to sh if someone comes to your mind. Uh, yeah. What's the question? If only if they need it. Yeah, if it, the question was, uh, do I want my children to do psychedelics? And uh, my answer is, is only if they need it. If they really need it, they should do it. Um, it that's sort of the, the point of my own personal explorations is trying to figure out the tools necessary in order to fix yourself. And if, if they have problems, if, if they're broken, then they need to use whatever tools that are necessary in order to fix the problem. So um, if, if they feel called to psychedelics, I am not going to argue with them, but they do have to be adults first. And um, I, uh, I know I can't control everything, but um, because of all of the things that I've been through, I think that they'll listen to me. So I, I, I really hope that that's, that's true. But if, if, they're not, if they're not called to psychedelics, I don't think that they should be, you know, forced to use psychedelics. That, 
It just goes against all my principles. Put freedom. A dr dropper in their Cheerios. What about what Mike said? What, what I said? A, me a memorable experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Thanks for bringing that back, Brian. Okay, Excellent so audience participation. Uh, yeah, so memorable experience. I, I think um, really the, the main one that comes to, to my mind, I, I, there was a veteran that I knew who had been uh, extremely suicidal, and he'd actually tried to commit suicide uh, in, in the weeks prior to his uh, psychedelic experience. And um, he actually took uh, Toad and... Um, during this experience, he was very quiet. He just kind of sat back and and uh, um, just had his his uh, moment. And um, when he sat up, he put his head in his hands and he just kind of shook his head every once in a while. He wasn't crying or anything like that. He was just shaking his head. And um, and when he looked up, he looked right into my eyes and said how am I supposed to ever think about suicide ever again after that? And I think that's really the kind of thing that this, it was a sense of gratitude for life and a reconnection to himself, reconnection to life, reconnection to uh, existence. And, and that's what we're all searching for. We're, we're searching for this connection, especially to ourselves. And, and that's what psychedelics provide. I think that, that we, th that's one of the reasons why we all need access. We need access to these things. Yeah, yeah, and then, that's great. And what a you know powerful story and really like uh, what we were talking about before uh, in the in the film room w about the default mode network right and like kind of quieting that that mode network and that sort of dictator I'm not sure <laughs> if you did but uh, you know I, I I thought it was really explained well in Michael Pollan's book How to Change Your Mind uh, when it, his work you know interviewing Robin Carhart Harris and the if you think about it, it's this th this rigid dictator in our head that is just ordering everything to an extreme degree. When that goes down, when those barriers go down, when those walls go down, a whole new world can can open up. So, well, I think the best way that I heard it described in that book was when he said, uh, "Imagine there's a hill of snow, and you have people sledding down it, and sled sledding down it represents our normal thoughts. And the more you keep sledding down the hill, the more you keep going down the same path." And th that's the way we think. The more we think a certain way, the more we continue to think that way. And what psychedelics do is they kind of wipe the, the uh, hill clean of snow and, um, and new snow falls. And so you have new opportunities to explore new ways of thinking and new pathways for those sleds to go. Um, yeah, that was the best analogy. I've yeah, yeah, no, that was, that was great. And I yeah, it's like getting rid of that, that suicide path, you know, because that's, that's that you're confined to this rigid track. You can't think your way out of it. And then boom, new pathways created. Yeah, I, mean, I would argue it's a little more complex than that. Uh, some sleds are a lot heavier than other <laughs> sleds. Um, yes. <laughs> You've got toboggans and the saucers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing is, uh, you know, someone who, from a as a young child, they brush their teeth every day because they know that brushing their teeth is good for them, but, um, you know, and, and some people uh, get used to driving, and driving becomes very habitual, right? You barely have to think to drive. You just, you're just going down that, that track. But if you get into a car accident and almost die, suddenly you're in a much deeper track in another direction. And uh, taking a psychedelic, even though it may 
open your view to being like, oh, there are other tracks here. That track is still deep. And uh, and so I, I think uh, you know I, I think like there is it's nice to to consider that okay you know default mode network we can lower it and now there's other paths but I think it's it's much more not only knowing that other paths are available because that's that's a really great insight and, and revelation but but again you know we we talked about before is that then there's a lot of work in terms of actually moving the sled to that other path going down that other path and then doing that again and again and again, right? Yeah. Like that's... Heavy uh, heavy sled, heavy man right. on the sled. You need a team of people to come over there and yeah. well, lift them up. And I think it's more than psychedelics too. It's the integration. I mean, yeah. that's that's so much the experience. Life and practice. that's why good cinema exists to help integrate this information and this discussion into our normal lives. You know, with psychedelics, you have these profound experiences. Then what? What do you do with that? How do you take that into normal life and exist in this real world that we're in you have to do the work or simulation whatever yeah yeah work and we are so averse to work in the society <laughs> what work <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't want to do any work i don't even want to ask this next question i quit <laughs> um, it's too much guys no joey I'd, I'd love to hear maybe if you have an experience that you could share that that kind of was memorable and and maybe created more empathy or opened you up or something that you witnessed uh, I would say what's going on right now, like I said before, the psychedelic mm -hmm. community is com completely insane. It's blown up like, you know, no one, I think we, you know, asked five years ago, if you asked me if I, you know, hey, you're going to be selling cannabis, um, you're going to be giving a 20% discount to veterans, and Donald Trump is president, and LeBron James is on the Lakers. I'd be like, all right, time to, let, you know, put down, put down the bomb, bro. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James is not on the Lakers, and mushrooms are not going to be decriminalized in 2019. <laughs> 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 Donald Trump can't be president. But, you know, so it is, you know, like a crazy frontier. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I would never have guessed that uh, I've been a part of a lot of, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, I've been involved in community, community organizing for almost 10 years now. And the fact that Psychedelic Club of Denver and so many other psychedelic clubs across the entire country can have 20 people show up at their fucking meetings every week is outstanding. Other organizations struggle to get 20 people at their meetings every month. Psychedelic Club of Denver and other psychedelic societies are doing it every single week across. So I think um, yeah. in, in the age of tribal, like I said before, um, applause break. Go, go Psychedelic Club. Um, in the age of Trumpism, everyone's so unwrapped in identity politics, and if you don't ex you know, agree with me on every single issue, you are either a racist or you're a dumb socialist or you know, you're a progressive hippie or you're you know, you know, a traditionalist, whatever. There's a bunch of is these days. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what you know, we're really building towards building a community. We are, you know, plenty of people in just ask other psychedelic clubs officers. Um, they know they're wrong about a lot of issues, but they still, you know, believe them, and <laughs> we disagree with them all the time. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I definitely have different opinions, you know, I'm sure I'm sitting right here. Just go check my Facebook, go through my Facebook pictures like someone just did. And comment on pictures from six years ago. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hey, don't this, this dude slings a lot of love. He's, he's committed, he's committed <laughs> to his connection. On my Facebook, man. <laughs> I totally did, man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're bringing, I think the, great, you know, the biggest trip right now is seeing how many people are coming together. If you look at the Psychedelic Club of Denver, there are people who are, you know, are 
on the older side, and there's people who are younger. It's not just a bunch of people with dreadlocks, you know, trying to discuss it. It's people who are just interested. They had one mushroom trip, and they're interested in talking more, and it's people who have had 100 mushroom trips, and they want to share the love. So I think that's the biggest uh, mind-blowing thing right now is that this is the next big thing. Yeah, that, that last meeting that uh, I was at a couple weeks ago, we could barely fit where we were. There was like a, maybe 60 people there or something. It was packed. And that was really cool. And like you said, the just looking around the room and seeing like my grandma there and like, you know, like, well, not literally, but, you know, <laughs> like different, a a just people that you wouldn't, it's not a bunch of people playing hacky sack and, you know, like it's a, a, a diverse group of people who are interested in, in healing and coming together and meeting people. That is really cool to see. Yeah, and we, and we talk about default mode network, and mine is, you know, it, it's still like the, the thought of a psychedelic user, you know, like you, you see someone like the way they dress or how they, you know, um, groom themselves, you know, and you, you know, you have this impression of what a psychedelic user is, how much, you know, heady things are hanging around their neck and ears and whatnot, uh, how large their gauges are and all, all those things. Uh, but at these psychedelic club meetings, it looks like a lot of people like just got off of work and they're like, instead of going home and watching Wheel of Fortune, I'm going to go talk about psychedelics. And that's fucking cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah. bringing that around to myself, um, I've had many, many, many profound experiences, uh, but I'll share one in particular. I think this was um, a late night after I was at a show or something, so I was kind of coming down off of some acid and decided to uh, smoke some NNDMT. And oh yeah, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. So um, this was, and we want to talk about ego death. This was like straight ego death. I thought it was real death, uh, but in this moment of ego death, I felt at peace. I was in this like eternal darkness of, I don't know, just like the peace. I just felt okay. But there was one thing that stuck with me more than anything, and that was the fact that I, I, I had no sense of self, but I also realized that I did not have the people and things around me that really mattered to me. And what stuck out more than anything was my now wife, Laura. And a little background on us, um, we, had, um, we had dated for... Jeez, it was probably about seven years this time, and neither one of us wanted to get married. Uh, you know, I grew up with, you know, both my parents had, you know, multiple divorces, and, um, you know, her parents unhappily married for a long time. And so we both had this impression of marriage, of this thing that, like, just doesn't work, or maybe we're not made for it. Um, when in reality, it was this fear, this fear of that, you know, if we decide to do this thing, that that's eternity. And, oh, my God, what if, what if we're not right for each other? When at the end of the day, I realized through this that, like, she was the one thing that mattered to me and that love was really all we needed. And we had that. And as long as we put in the work, then we could make it work. And so um, it was that moment during that DMT trip that I decided to ask her to marry me. And so I did, yeah. and now we are. So nice. cool. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thanks. The Beatles. Yeah. All you need is love. Bethany. Share a little bit about wh what it's like being the national president of the, of the Psychedelic Club, and also then you can go into maybe some of your experiences as well. Well, I have to say that when I first took over the role that I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I didn't really have any direction. Um, so I've kind of, you know, taken my time to sit and watch and see what it is that is needed within the community and you know, really what the Psychedelic Club is here to do. Um, and 
I have to say that it is exciting to watch this community come together. I got involved with the Psychedelic Club back when it just got started. They had held a drug symposium in Boulder. Um, I remember Rick Strassman Strassman talked there. Um, And my friend sent me this link because he knew where I was in my psychedelic journey. And he knew that the people that introduced me to psychedelics weren't going where I was going. So I was introduced to psychedelics and the music scene. And nobody really took into consideration what psychedelics may do to me. Um, For a lot of them, it was just a good time. And I never really even did research on them. I remember having a boyfriend in high school who called me one night and was like, I just did acid for the first time. And I was like, what in the hell is wrong with you? Why would you do that? It's acid. It's literally called acid. Why would you do that? And he's like, I know you. And I know that you would love this. And I'm like, you are out of your mind. And here I am today. Um, So that's interesting. But um, so what got me here was a specific experience that I had. Um, A little backstory: when I was 16, my grandfather died on my birthday of a heart attack, and um, I went to the desert for my birthday. And as soon as I took the acid, I knew that this time was not going to be like any other. And um, as it crept in, I started to watch my entire life um, unfold in front of my eyes. I started to really feel all of my insecurities and my doubts and my fears. And I was having a really hard time. And I couldn't get the words out, am I dying? It was so surpassed anything that I had forgotten that I had even taken LSD that day. And um, I thought I was maybe in a car accident or I was laying in a hospital bed. Like I had no idea what was going on. And I couldn't get the nerve to say, am I dying? So I would just look at my friends and I'd be like, is this happening right now? And they're trying to make me feel better and they'd say yes. So that is not, you know, I mean, so I'm like, uh, uh, I got to go back. Like, I, I, I got to go back. Um, I can't do this right now. And I remember my friend um, rubbing my back, and she was trying to make me calm down. And she's like, it, it's peaceful, right? It's peaceful. And at that moment, I surrendered. And as I surrendered, I was no longer anywhere that I was. Um, the next thing I know as I was standing next to my grandfather. I was holding his hand. I could feel him. I could I could hear him. And um, you know, he he showed me the universe in that moment and he showed me that we're all connected and that we don't have to live in fear because we will always find each other again over and over again. Um <laughs> and um and I came out of that, and my friend said that I didn't talk for hours. I mean, what are you supposed to say after that? And, um, you know, I finally got to the point where I could talk again, and they're like, do you want to talk about what happened? And I, and I looked at them. Mind you, these are people who have been doing psychedelics since they were, like, 15, and they were all probably 15 years older than me, if not 10, 11, you know. 
and they had never hurt. And, and I said, I just saw my grandfather in the desert. And they're all like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? What? You did what? And um, from there, they're like, you know what? Maybe acid just isn't for you. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe this just isn't for you. <laughs> and, um, and it was hard. It was difficult for about a month. I mean, I could hear voices, and, and I wasn't sure that it was for me either. Um, but after I kind of integrated it on my own for a while, I mean, how fucking beautiful is that? You know, whether that was actually my grandfather standing in the desert or not, that was something that I got to experience, you know? Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and who, who is, who's to say that somebody shouldn't be allowed to experience that? Yes. You know, like, that's one of the most powerful things I could even imagine. And, um, you know, the psychedelic journey has really just, showed me a lot and it has showed me a lot with divine timing and healing and you know the magic that we're surrounded by and um yeah so i just want to say thank you to all of you for all of your work that you're putting into this um it means everything to me and i know it means everything to you guys too so come yeah, see wow. the psychedelic yeah. club we will <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. That's amazing. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, you got a tough act to follow, Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to follow. Uh, well, yeah, maybe hopefully stand alongside. Yeah, maybe join. Science! <laughs> Science! <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm not, I guess... Trying to think of uh, a way to kind of bring things together. Uh, I, I think I think being a part of this panel has been awesome. Just to see so many varied perspectives, so many passionate people, um, each giving their gifts. And I, I think that um, this is such a great model. I, I loved hearing, like I've, I love hearing how Matt has been getting involved with with veterans. Um, you know, can you say your name again? Joey. Joey. I love I loved hearing uh, how Joey is, um, you know, engaging with the community, how Bethany is, is engaging people all over the country and helping people organize and share their experiences and create safe spaces and um, that people are showing up. You know, people are coming to these meetings. People are talking about these experiences and they're, they're curious. Um, and I think... For me, I, I find a lot of hope that, um, that, that we will not only, you know, get back into relationship with, with substances, but that we'll become, get back in relationship with each other. And that, you know, even people who don't use psychedelics or don't do drugs or whatever, um, that, that we still can connect and that we can still, like, find these common things and like whatever people are passionate about that we can still connect on the feeling of passion right like whether someone's into you know whatever it is that they're into that that we can connect on that and I, I think that 
that if we can start to start to see people in that way and um, you know I, I there's a quote that I heard recently that you know if you if you look deep enough into the history of your enemies um, you can find a lot of pain and that that w if we can start to connect with each other's pain um, then we can really start to to come together and, and have empathy for one another and Put, put things aside and work towards the solutions that we already have, right? Like the movie said, right? You know, there's the solutions are already there. Um, I went to Burning Man last summer, and I remember standing there and seeing, like, this city of 80,000 people in the middle of the desert, like the most improbable thing. And I'm like, wow, if 80,000 people can build this in one week... What else is possible? Why can't we? We <laughs> can. We can end world hunger. We can end homelessness. We can. We can end all that if we want to. If we come together and we put the effort and we put the manpower into it, and people show up. So I think um, I find a lot of hope, and and you know I think I guess my personal piece. I, that's my reflection on on this whole thing. Seeing all of you, Billy, and your work with Good Cinema, super awesome. Um, but I guess personally, you know, working as a therapist, I mean, I, people come in and they're like, so, like, what do you think of your job? And I, I'm like, this is, there is nothing else in the world I would rather be doing than to hold space for people and, and help them work through the things that are holding them back. And, and, and seeing people come in who cannot leave their house, who struggle to look people in the eye, um, who have a broken sense of community and, and broken sense of self, and, and watch those people start to connect to communities and connect with each other and become curious about life and, and become enchanted with life again. I mean, that there's nothing else that I would rather be doing, and, and to be able to, to help other people create the spaces for that to happen, yeah. I think um, it gives me a lot of hope, and I feel honored to be a, a part of, of this in, in whatever way that I am, and, and hopefully support other people um, who are passionate in this or, or passionate in whatever it is that they're, they're into. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows helping other people really does give you a certain kind of joy that you just can't experience any other way. Then you start to feel good about yourself, too. You're like, wow. If, I, if you're selfish and you just care about yourself, help other people, because then you'll feel really good about yourself. <laughs> Did that make sense? All right, never mind. <laughs> Jenna, what do you think about uh, all, of, all of this? Uh, want to get your opinions and stuff. We're going to wrap up pretty soon, so just want to get yeah. everyone's kind of final thoughts, opinions, and, uh, and whatnot. Yeah, and, and thanks for, for letting me jump in. and um, It's been... The, the whole event tonight has been amazing, um, that's for sure. Yeah, and something that keeps coming back for me is, is the importance of, of doing our own work. Um, I think that's really how, how we change the world. And so just honoring you know, everybody at this table you know, is, is doing their own work. And you know, I think that's how you know, just by showing up in the world differently and integrating those experiences, that that's how we that's how we bring about change. And you know, the specific question about 
you know, particular experience. I mean, I've I've had I've had so many, you know, profound experiences spending 5 months in the Amazon last year drinking medicine a lot, um, doing a plant diet in isolation and um, you know, I, I think an experience I can share is is one of the first times I drank ayahuasca. It was, I mean, every time it's profound and every time it's unexpected and it's different and um, and I'm humbled every single time and checked every single time. Um, but in this in this particular instance, I mean, I faced my my shame. I faced a lot of things, but more importantly, I I. I'm trying to do this in a succinct way, and it's impossible to captivate with words. But um, I really, it, it, that particular ceremony changed the course of of my life. Um, I mean, I. Well, yeah, I, you, I mean, you met me afterwards. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, you know, I, I worked I worked seven years in a in a corporate setting. Um, doing um, executive coaching and change management, quit my job in May of, of 2017, you know, left for what was meant to be a six-month trip alone in Asia. I was gone a year, then ended up in Peru at the center. And even after all of that traveling and all of that growth, I was still telling myself a story that I had to go back to where I was before I started traveling. And... I told myself a lie as to why I was going back. And in this particular ceremony, I, I saw that I was actually coming from a place of fear and that I was going back out of fear of losing my community, out of losing those that I loved there and that I would no longer be accepted. And I had this, I went into that ceremony with the intention, show me my pain. And I experienced complete nourishment and unconditional love and just this complete acceptance of that it didn't matter it d it didn't it didn't matter if i went back there and 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 so that was such a gift because i then had very difficult conversations with different friends and family members and i then started living from a different place and and I, I think that's a huge takeaway for me is that it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. No one can ever know. Only you can know where do you live from. Like where, when you make choices, when you make decisions, where is that being born from? And is it coming from a place of the heart and of love and unconditional, you know, or is it coming from a place of fear? And we can tell each other ourselves the, the craziest stories, but... Um, that was such a gift, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, and I'm so grateful for you bringing up Star Wars at the retreat because that <laughs> caught my ear, and I sat down. And I was like, let's talk about it. <laughs> but really, when you break it down, I mean, you know, it's a great, great yeah. metaphor uh, there with giving into that fear, going down to the dark path and the machine world and becoming a machine versus going the light side and being more in tune with things. So. I mean, I loved I Everything goes Bill and in what you shared. I, I really related to that because you, you know, that decision to engage in in marriage or not, right? Like, was I, I feel like you had a similar realization of of not coming from a place of fear, right, in your beliefs. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. it. I was able to move past the fear because I saw that the fear was just something that I was creating within my own mind. And I, I guess that's another thing that <coughs> that um, no one's really hit on is that psychedelics really teach us that we have all we need. And I think so much in this society we feel that we need so many external things, whereas really everything we need is within us. And that's yes. so important. Awesome. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so thank you all so much for being here. Really, it's a pleasure. I want to do this more, and it was, you know, I'm sure I'll talk to each of you individually, but um, really great. So any last words, final thoughts? Get them out now while, while we can, and, uh, and then we can... Uh, Go and take uh, seven grams of mushrooms together. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking uh, of uh, tripping, we have bicycle day coming up. Decriminalized Denver will be there. Mike, I'm sure, will be there. I think almost everyone here will be there. So bicycle day at the venue called Your Mom's, Your mom's House. house. Uh, <laughs> downtown, yeah, we're celebrating LSD. Why is it called Bicycle Day? Bicycle Day, when Dr. Hoffman first synthesized LSD, he rode his bike and well documented. <laughs> the first actual LSD trip was very well documented. We're celebrating. Everyone's been working really fucking hard. Mushroom campaigns are working hard. Psychedelic clubs are working hard. Veterans for Natural Rights. Everyone's been working really hard. We deserve a party. Psychedelic yeah. clubs hosting. Yeah. 419, your mom's house. Be there. Yeah, be there. <laughs> party at your mom's house. Party at your mom's house. She's bringing ass in. Bethany? Well, of course, I have to mention the Psychedelic Club. Um, please come to our party. Um, another message that I have, I do help with the campaign as well. So if you want to get involved with that, please donate at decriminalizeddenver.org or go to our Facebook at Decriminalize Denver and send them a message to get involved. Yeah, this is really important. I just want to like jump on that again too. Decriminalize Denver is doing like a really amazing revolutionary thing right now. And even if you're not in the, the state, city, county of, of, of Denver, Colorado, uh, you're out there, you're listening to this, we're recording this, so there's people listening. Um, donate to the campaign. They have so many volunteers that are working endlessly around the clock to try and push this this revolutionary freedom forward we and give power back world. to the people. So <laughs> uh, help out if you can, because this is going to be something that's going to start here and spread like the mycelial network does. So Ow. I just have one last thought for people to contemplate at home uh, that amnesia is what holds it all together. Hmm. I'm just going to drop the mic on that <laughs> one. <laughs> all right, we, we got, I know. You're, you're coming back on the podcast, Raphael. Uh, and I just wanted to add uh, real quick that um, uh, our great partners, Gaia, has set up a uh, free trial. So for those of you that want to learn more about psychedelics, they've got tons and tons of good content uh, to dive in. But not just that, meditation, um, spirituality, all other things that might be connected um, to help you get more in touch with yourself. Uh, Gaia.com slash good cinema. Uh, you can get yourself a free trial. And uh, stay tuned because we'll be getting some uh, psychedelic series or psychedelica uh, live event series coming soon. And uh, we'll get Mikeadelic involved too. Awesome. Matt? May 7th. Denverites vote. You gotta legalize, or sorry, excuse me, decriminalize 
We, so can, add, we can edit that part out. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> it, this is, it can't be understated. This is uh, an extremely important issue. No municipality in the history of the nation has ever voted on the decriminalization of anything except for cannabis. And uh, this is the first time it's being done. We really hope that it's successful. And um, the only way that happens is to get involved. Vote. If you can vote, vote in the election. And uh, if you can't vote in the city and county of Denver, then share. Uh, share all of the posts. Share um, the, the initiative. Share anything and everything about psychedelics as medicine. The only way that this is system changes is by individual effort, one step at a time. So uh, you are never too small to contribute. Yes. All right, yeah. Yeah, Veterans for Natural Rights, that's right. <laughs> VeteransfornaturalRights.org. <laughs> or a Facebook page, all right. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, this is amazing, and I, I guess I'm going to yeah, take this plug. opportunity to plug. Yeah. Um, so I so we call it in the biz. founded, my, um, founded a, a company, uh, Venture Beyond LLC, and um, I'm a life coach. Um, I started it in February. I have two paid clients, um, maybe a third coming on. So... Um, I coach, I focus um, in helping navigate transitions, specifically relationships, career, community, and home. Um, I also teach yoga and uh, do guided travel and, and support med um, ayahuasca retreats. So I'm actually going out to Peru in a week, um, and I'll be teaching teaching down there. So venture beyond. And awesome. she's the director of Impact at Good Cinema. I am the director of Impact at Good Cinema, which I love, and I love what we're doing here. Thank you for helping us do amazing work. Woo. Thank you guys for directing the impact of this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> boom. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, thank you for sticking around and being a part of this. And to all you people out there, just... Go to your local water supply and just put as much LSD as you can in there, and we'll change this thing. <laughs> Safe, responsible use, everyone. All right, peace out. Get stickers, Mikeadelic t-shirts coming soon. I love you all. Bye. All right, well, that uh, that concludes the first ever Mikeadelic live podcast. So happy to be releasing this three-part series, Mikeadelic episode 100, three-part series, spectacular with all these amazing guests and this great collaboration again with Bill Burns of Good Cinema, who's just doing some really, truly amazing things. Uh, and you know, this might not have been possible without, without that. So uh, big thanks to Bill and Good Cinema for what they're doing and uh, bringing this community together and then creating these recordings that, that we can then share with people out there in the world. Let them know what's going on in places like Denver and other places that are, that are doing these, these kinds of great things. So uh, stay tuned for part three. Part three uh, will be the solo cast, and that will be out. That's Part three will be the solo cast, and that's next. So stay tuned for that. Again, I'm going to be sharing my experience, what this has been like for me, my personal journey, this, this journey of the show, uh, how it's been with di what I've learned from the different guests coming on, the different experiences that I've had, all that kind of stuff. So the Mikeadelic 100th episode spectacular series special will continue. Stay tuned. And it's also the Mikeadelic three-year anniversary. So uh, everything kind of lined up to happen at a really nice time, as I talked about in the part one, about these wonderful synchronicities that can happen. So uh, 
keep keep doing that keep tuning into these things keep sharing these things if you're interested if you're excited if you're curious um, the best way that we can go about creating this world that we want to see is is talking about these things and bringing it to the attention of other people and and doing the thing that makes your heart sing following your bliss and allowing the engine of the reality creation machine to stir up some synchronicities in your life hop on that frequency and uh, and let's make the world a better place because I truly believe that's what we can do so thank you all for tuning in this concludes the the podcast the live podcast portion part three is next my solo cast journey so stay tuned for that and uh, yeah if you enjoy the show if you like what's going on here at Mike Delic and, and you're interested in uh, more Go to the website, mikebrank.com. If you want to show your love and support for the show, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps the show, helps bump it up into iTunes so more people are aware of it, more people can see the kind of interesting conversations and guests and thoughts that we're discussing and, and, and you know collaborating on here. So that's, that's the best way. You know what to do if you love something. You don't need other people to tell you what to do. Just do it. Uh, just share it, like it, subscribe, whatever you got to do. But if you want to go a step further, the reviews on Apple Podcasts are always great. And then Patreon to donate to the show and become a part of uh, the producers of this show. And then have an option to join the Mikeadelic Inner Sanctum WhatsApp chat group where we're bringing people together from all over the world. And that's one of the greatest joys of this podcast is connecting other people uh, from all over the place and sharing their experiences and communicating with each other. So really happy about that. Go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank and uh, check it out. And you can donate as little as a dollar a month or $2 or $10 or 50 or whatever you want. So thank you so much to everybody. This was really great. This was a special 100th episode podcast event and uh, part three is coming up. Thanks. Love you all. Bye.